I mentioned uh, that right before I started as the pastor of Creekside, while I was still running our young adult group here, uh, that we did an activity where uh, we drew rocks out of a bag or a hat. I don't remember what it was now. And, and then we took some time and we prayed and we thought about uh, what that rock might mean to us in terms of our relationship with God, what God might say to us uh, based on uh, the rock that we were given. And, and here is the real life rock that I drew out of the hat or the bag that day and it says love on it and it really has helped in a lot of ways shape as I said before uh, my ministry because uh, what I have found in life and not just in church but just in life in general including my relationships in our church is that it is much easier to deal with people than it is to love people. It is much easier to put up with people than to love people. It is much easier to ignore people than to love people. It is much easier just to pretend that people don't exist than to love people. And you're Not you, but the, the people next to you, of course, are the ones I'm talking about. Um, uh, and, and I'm thankful for our church, which is a church that is easy to love, and, and you, are, you make it very easy on me. But we know, just in life in general, there are especially certain people that, that it's just really difficult to love. And it might cause us, get us at times to ask the question, is it worth it? We defined love a couple of weeks ago this way. Love is them above you as their good you pursue or their goodness you pursue because of their value. Love is recognizing that somebody else is important and because you see their importance, you say, I'm going to lower myself. I'm willing to sacrifice in order that the best can take place in your life. The good can take place in your life. But this is not always an easy thing to do. Sometimes it's hard to say, wow, you have value and I'm going to lower myself for you when somebody's annoying or difficult or, or you just don't really connect with them. And then we saw just last week, loving is as loving does. Maybe that won't come up here. Loving is as loving does. And basically what we said is this, that, that love is, is not just some feeling or some intangible thing, but actually to be loving it is to act. And we saw that it isn't just to act in any way, but it's actually a certain way. And it's what Paul describes in the, verse, the verses you can see in front of me and, and that we've been talking about in this series, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. You look at this list and that's like great. And the only people in the whole wide world that think this is gonna be easy, people who are getting married and like on their wedding days about the only time that they think it's gonna be easy and the pastor reads it and they're like, I don't even need you to read it because that's just gonna flow out of me. But like the rest of us who aren't getting married today, we know that this, this is really, really hard. I mean, I, I said last week that even if, like a whole sermon could be preached to me on love is patient. And, and I wasn't even patient like in, before. I had broken my patience before we left church last week. We had pictures, so it made it more difficult because I gave me like an hour and a half. I had to stay here and try to be patient while I was still at church. And it's like all of this is really, really hard. 
And it's hard with certain people, but it's also just hard in the people who are easy to love. But, but they, you know, they, they just say so many stupid things and they, they do things wrong. And, and it's like, oh, I just, I can't be patient anymore. And I can't be kind. It's very, very difficult to actually love people. Difficult. And when we look at this list, some questions might come to our minds about loving others. Especially those people who are hard, but just on a daily basis. I mean, like on a daily basis, the people that we claim to love, to be loving towards them, there's just some questions that come along with that. Like, what if I don't look cool or I don't look good to the rest of the world? I mean, what if like, what if not keeping a record of wrongs really is going to cost me looking good to others? Or what if I'm not self-seeking and that means that, you know... I'm just not going to look as good to people. People are going to look at me and they're going to disrespect me and they're not going to think I'm as awesome as they do currently. Or how about this one? What if it costs me money? I mean, that's a, a real question, right? And, and it's easy to talk about 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, but like at the end of the day, I mean, some of this stuff is going to cost money. Like to protect somebody, sometimes that's going to cost you some money. So what if it like comes out of your pocketbook? Then it's more difficult to love, right? I mean, it's easy until it costs something. What if it takes too much of our time? And you know those people, right? I mean, you're like, wow, I would love to love them and they need somebody to love them, but they're just, it's gonna take, they're gonna call me too often and they're gonna wanna spend too much time with me and they don't have other friends and so I'm gonna be their only friend and I'm the only person loving them and, and then it becomes difficult, right? Because you're gonna miss that show that you like to watch and you're not gonna get as much sleep at night and you're, you're just gonna, it's gonna be harder. It's gonna be harder to love when it costs you your time. What if they reject you? You ever been there where you're like, I should love them but they might, they might, be mean to me. They might not want me to love them. No, it's like I could go over and I could I could say hello to a neighbor and show them love and maybe we could I could strike up a friendship. I mean, I've lived next to this person for like 10 years, but what if they're just like, hey, you're weird. Why'd you come over? I mean, what if you get rejected in love? Then it's like, then it's a scary thing. I mean, to say, okay, I'm going in, I'm gonna be loving to people and they're like, well, I don't want you to be patient or kind with me because I don't even want to have a relationship with you then love becomes more difficult. And what if, and this one I think is really what holds us back, what if, what if our feelings are hurt? I mean, what if, what if like we get hurt in this messy thing called love? What if somebody turns their back on us? What if they run over us again and again? What if they yell at us and, and we have to sit there and try to be patient with them? What if they're not kind back? What if they are self-seeking and, and I'm trying to not be self-seeking? And what if they're not protecting me but they're actually hurting me? Then, then love becomes more difficult. You probably didn't go home last week and think about these questions. I hope you went home as we talked about it and you just picked one. You said, you know, I'm not going to delight in evil or I'm going to rejoice in truth. And you really just, you tried to put your mind to doing that. That was kind of the goal last week is just to get you to do one of these things. But you probably didn't stop and think like about these questions. But at some point, somewhere deep inside your soul, if you're really trying to be a person who loves, a person who is loving then at some, at some junction, you're just, you're just going to have to wrestle with, with these things. And you're going to ultimately have to ask yourself this question. Is loving worth it? Is it worth it to be loving towards others? Is it worth it 
to love, to invest, to do these things that are described in this list. There's good news for us because what happens right after 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, verses 8 through 13, what Paul says there is really an answer to the question, is love worth it? Should I really give of myself and put myself out there for this thing called love? It's like Paul knew. Paul describes, he's a, he's a guy inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he's a brilliant man, one of the most brilliant people, one of the most influential people ever lived. And he's writing this letter and it's like he knows in his wisdom and led by the Holy Spirit that, hey, they're gonna ask a question when I get to the end of this. Is love worth it? I mean, I've told them that without love, nothing matters. But maybe they're gonna be like, well, I don't care if anything matters. I don't need to produce fruit. I don't need to do anything. And I've told them what love can be and how beautiful it can be. But what if, if they just get to the end and they're like, wow, that's really what love is. If that's what it's gonna cost me, if it's gonna be that hard, then is it worth it at all? Before I even read you the passage, I just wanna read you from Ben Witherington 3, his commentary on, on this section, because what he says really sets up kind of the verses for us and helps us understand that, that loving wasn't any easier for them than it is for us. This is what he says. Uh, what Paul says in this paragraph goes directly against the enmity conventions that existed in the Greco-Roman world, which set up tremendous rivalries between sophists, patrons, and officials all of whom were striving for public recognition and honor. If one believes honor is in limited supply and that one must have it above all else to amount to anything in one's city and culture, then one must be very possessive and particular in one's allegiances and must oppose others who are striving for the same goal of recognition. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, he's talking about 2,000 years ago and the people that Paul is writing to in a city called Corinth. But doesn't that sound like Wilsonville and Sherwood and Tualatin and the surrounding areas in the United States of America? We're like, wow, I need to be honored. I need to be recognized. I need people to look at me and say, you're awesome. Isn't that the truth? And, and I don't know why, but we, we do seem to think that honor is in limited supply. And so it seems that like this list in, in our society is just as difficult as it was for them. Like, well, if I'm patient with them, then it's gonna cost me something and they're going to be honored and I'm not. If I am kind and trying to do what is good for them and trying to produce benefit in them, then I'm not benefiting myself anymore. I mean, why shouldn't I be envious? They have what I want and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get it. That's the prevailing attitude of our culture and it was the prevailing attitude of their culture. Ben Witherington III goes on. Paul is asking the Corinthians to go against the grain of the social attitudes of the Corinthian culture, which encouraged striving for personal status and seeking to get oneself out of any position where one would have to serve others. Or one to follow Paul's teachings won't find it to involve a humbling and in some ways even humiliating experience. Wow, it's like, it's like he's talking about us in our country. Let me just repeat that right here. Encouraged for striving for personal 
status. Isn't that the United States of America? Isn't that even more specifically the cities in which you all come from, in which we live? I mean, it's all about status. It's all about the car. It's all about the house you have. It's all about how well you keep up your yard. I've mentioned this before. It's all about how kids, how good your kids look when they're on stage or on the court or on the field. It's all, I mean, we are, we are living in, in Oregon like the center of needing to look good socially. It is all about social status here. And what Paul says next is in response to what we experience on a daily basis and the thing that we feel kind of even as Christians we kind of need to live up to. Like if I'm loving, then I'm going to be lowered. And here's what Paul wants to say to us. Actually, before I get there, let me just bring back up one more time this picture. Uh, 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 just the three types of love because I, I want these in your head and it's kind of been the driving kind of relationships that we've been talking about. But one more time, uh, affection. And, and, and you can look at this relationship right here and, and you go, wow, like if, if I'm really going to live out that list, then like my kid might yell at me. Maybe not at that age in this picture, but like when they're older, they might yell at me. And am I really supposed to be patient for, in that moment because I've been disrespected and dishonored and it feels just more natural just to yell back and send them to their room, right? And, and like that's normal and that sometimes that's good, but sometimes it's just a reaction. It's not love. In friendship, like you know that you have friends and you're thinking like they only call me when they need a favor. And if I remain in this friendship with them, if I keep loving them, then man, I'm just going to keep doing stuff for them and never get anything out of it. My social status will go down, but theirs will go up. In romantic relationships, especially married couples, you know already this like, well, they don't do the things in the way that I think is supposed to be done and in really the right way is what you think then because it's not the way you're supposed to do it, you know, right? I know that because I'm married. And, uh, and so, man, if I don't like say something and annoy them and bother them, then I'm never going to get my way. Should I even love them anymore? A lot of people in marriages just say no. And here's what Paul says. This is, this is just, he just jumps right into it. And he, he kind of says this thing that, that connects what he's already said in verses four through seven through to what he's about to say next. This is what he says, ready? Love never fails. Love never fails. Now, most of the time when people talk about that little phrase right there, what they, what they kind of take it to mean is that love can conquer all. Love is bigger and better than everything. All you need is love. But uh, love never fails. We take as meaning that love is like bigger and better than everything else. But that's actually not what Paul is saying here. The Greek word for fails there is actually a word that, that refers to a flower falling off. It refers to an actor getting booed off the stage, uh, having to go away. Don't do that to me, please, but we could demonstrate it if you did. Uh, and, and what it really means is that love will never go away. Something Paul's going to explain in a second, but, but it doesn't mean the love is bigger and stronger than everything, even though that's kind of implied in, in this chapter in the Bible that Paul wrote down. But really it means that love, above everything else, will never end. It will never stop, and in some ways that means that it is the greatest of all attributes. Because it, of all things, will never fail. It will never Go away, and then he gets. Then he's going to explain this because you're like, what does that mean? I mean, it seems like lots of things don't go away. And here's what he says: But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will 
pass away. We said a few weeks ago that these three things are, are the, the three spiritual gifts. That means gifts that God gives to Christians in order to build up the church. These are the three that the people in Corinth liked the most. They were really in love with these gifts to the point where they were no longer loving people because they would come to church and, and they would stand up on stage and be like, look, look, look at me, look at me, look at me, I'm awesome. I have a prophecy for you all. Your gift, it's stupid. I mean, I know that you are a wonderful servant or I know that you're kind to people. I know that you're encouraging people, but that's stupid. I have a prophecy. And so they were placing these gifts above love. And Paul's already said to them about these same three gifts, without love, we benefit nobody, we waste everything, we profit nothing. That's my words for verses one through three. Basically, he said, without love, nothing matters. He said that to them. But here he brings back these gifts and he wants to explain further why they are less important than love. And here's what he says. He says, first of all, put that verse back up, would you, babe? That's my wife, by the way, just in case you didn't know. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Now, here's the thing about prophecy. A prophecy is really just uh, God's perspective on things. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit, God in spirit form comes and he, he reveals something to somebody so that they can say, look, this is what God thinks about our culture, about the church and where it needs to go. And sometimes it tells the future, but oftentimes it's just about right now. And here's the thing, prophecy, giving God's perspective on things, is what Paul is saying, will cease someday because someday, and this is what we believe, Jesus will be with us, we will be in the midst of God, and we will no longer need God's perspective out of the mouth of a human because we will be able to get it out of the mouth of God. Let me just give you the, the story of the Bible, really, it's this, that people were created, and they were created perfectly by God, but they chose to sin they chose to do things that God didn't want them to do that didn't align with his character that he had told them not to do. And so from then on, people started dying. And, and from then on, people, apart from God, were destined for an eternity in hell and had no ability really to have a full and complete relationship with God. And so God sent his son, a man that we know as Jesus, to live on earth a sinless, perfect life. And then, because he was sinless and perfect, to be able to die on a cross where he actually took on the punishment for the sins that you and I have committed, the wrong things that we have done and we, we regret and we don't feel over yet at this point in our lives. And so Jesus died on a cross in order that he might take upon himself all of that sin and then he was in the grave for three days and he rose again on a day that we call Easter that is coming up and I hope you've already been thinking about who you're going to invite to church on that day and then he lived about 50 days on earth and he hung out with people and then he ascended up into heaven and said someday I'll come back. And currently we live in a state of waiting for Jesus to come back. And when he comes back, we will live in his presence, if we are Christians, in his perfect presence for the rest of eternity. And Paul says, basically, on that day, it will no longer be needed, prophecy. Because we will ask Jesus. I won't come to you and say, hey, what do you think God thinks about that? I'll go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you think about that? 
It won't be needed anymore. And then he says about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is, is the ability led through the Holy Spirit in order to speak like a heavenly language. Paul describes as the, the tongue of angels in the first three verses of this section. Or the ability to speak a language that you've never learned. Like if you just started speaking German right now and somebody interpreted it, that would be the gift of tongues. And, and the gift of tongues, as Paul says in chapter 14... Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is a gift that is, is there and God gives in order to lead people to a relationship with Jesus so that they can spend eternity with him. And someday when he returns, the decision will have been made. People will no longer be able to say, well, now I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Now I believe he died on the cross. Now I believe God is real. That decision will be done. It will be made. And so the gift of tongues will no longer be needed. Because nobody will need to be led to Jesus. They will have decided their fate to be there by going to hell or going to heaven. And then he says, uh, where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Because we'll know. You won't need somebody to stand up on a stage and preach to you anymore when you get to heaven because you will know everything that you need to know about Jesus, salvation, about the things of the Spirit and God and how he interacts with the world. Paul says, look, these things that you value more than anything else, these gifts that you value more than anything else at all, will eventually have no purpose and they will go away. I just want to pause here and say that doesn't mean that they're bad doesn't mean that they're unimportant. In fact, we value the spiritual gifts at this church very much. And one of the, the, uh, one of the unique, I think, things about our church, one of the really driving forces behind what we do is that we want to be a church that helps people use their gifts to serve our church. And we don't just want people to, to do something. We don't just stand up and say, like, we need a volunteer in this area. But we, we try our best. It's not always easy. It's not always perfect because things need to get done. But we try our best to say, like, what has God equipped you to do? What has the Spirit equipped you to do? What are you called to do by God? And then, and then to get people to do those things to build up our church is really the goal. And after Easter, we will have a class that we call SERVE. It's an acronym. And in that class, what we do is we try to help you understand how you are equipped to serve at our church. And, and we try to figure out together what that might look like. And so I invite you to that. And Paul continues, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. It's going to go away. Right now, these, this knowledge that, that maybe I can impart some of that knowledge to you today, it's only in part. I can't stand up here and say, here, here's all the knowledge about God that you will ever need. And nobody can speak a heavenly language in a, in a way that is totally complete because we're not in heaven. And nobody can have the perfect understanding of God's perspective on things because we're not with him yet. And so right now we can speak in part, we can know in part, we can prophesy in part, but someday Jesus will come back and then what is in part will absolutely disappear. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says, So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. The gifts have been given in order that people can grow, become mature. And when Jesus comes back in an instant, we will have grown spiritually to perfection. And so someday, these gifts, the things that these people valued so much, Paul is saying, will go away. And then Paul says kind of this parenthetical statement. I'll read it to you now, but I'm going to come back to it. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Put a parenthesis there. And then he goes on. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. The city of Corinth was known for their mirrors, and they were made out of metal, uh, specifically polished bronze or brass. Uh, And I didn't have any polished bronze or brass, uh, so we made uh, a mirror out of the only real metal that I could make a mirror out of uh, last night. And, And so this is kind of, it's not much better than the mirrors that they would have had. And we have these wonderful glass mirrors now that we can see ourselves very perfectly in. Uh, but if you try to use a mirror like this, I have to get about this close to it. Uh, and then I can almost tell if I have a booger in my nose. You know, like you barely can see anything. And so Paul takes this analogy, something that the people in Corinth would have known very well because they were manufacturers of mirrors. And he says, look, right now I can only see like a little bit. I can only kind of tell what I look like. But someday I will see face to face. First John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not, not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him face to face. And so uh, a big part of this is just someday we will not get a, a dim kind of picture of who God is and what God does and we won't just have a limited understanding of the gospel story but we will fully grasp how great it was that God sent his son to die for our sins. But even more I think it encompasses just kind of life in general. Right now we have like this limited understanding of spiritual things. We have really what God has revealed to us in the Bible. You really can't know truth apart from something being revealed to us. Have you ever thought about that? Unless you can know everything, you can't really know anything unless a being that knows everything tells you something. And what he told us is in his Bible. You should tweet that or something. I don't think I could ever say that as as well as I just said it and it came out fast. You probably think, what did he just say? Uh, But it's recorded and so tweet that later. Put that out there for everybody to hear. But we have what is revealed to us in the word of God and by the spirit of God. But someday someday we will be able to see perfectly not as in not as like in a mirror made of bronze or tinfoil or whatever it might be first corinthians 8 2 and 3 says this those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know but whoever loves god is known by god right now god knows us perfectly but someday we will know god perfectly we will know him and his ways perfectly and then he drops this line which is extremely famous and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these 
is love. Now, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, this is like one of Paul's favorite things to say. Uh, It's like Paul's little trifecta of good things about Christians, faith, hope, and and love. And, And here's the thing. Faith and hope will go away in some degree because faith is, is really confidence in things that we have not seen. But when we see and we see God face to face and when we understand spiritual things because we're looking at them, then faith will no longer be needed. And hope will also go away because what we hope for currently as Christians is an eternity in heaven. And when we have an eternity in heaven, it will no longer be hope, it will just be life. And so faith and hope will be gone, but love won't. will be there for eternity. And so that makes it the greatest. Also notice that in verse 7, 13, 7, we see that both faith and hope are part of love. And so it's not like they're stupid or bad or they'll go away or we don't need to care about them, but they're actually a part of love. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, that's a bold statement, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Galatians 5, 14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the greatest because love encompasses everything that we need to do that we need to strive for in the Christian faith. Now I want to return to that parenthetical statement. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Paul's writing this book to the Corinthian church. This is a church in the city of Corinth. And and really what he's trying to help them with throughout the book is moving past being childlike and moving on towards being mature spiritual beings. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could address you as people who live by the Spirit, as people who live as Christians ought to, but I must address you as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. And so his goal in writing this book is really to help people move past being childlike, being like children, to a place where they are mature and they are following the Holy Spirit and they are living for God better. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, same idea. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to evil, but be infants. But in your thinking, the way you think about life and the way you do things, be adults. Ben Witherington, I'm going to return to him one more time. This is what he says about their childlike behavior in 1 Corinthians 13 when it comes to love. The Corinthians are childish because they've mistaken the part for the whole and the partial for the final. Can I read that to you again? The Corinthians are childish because they have mistaken the part for the whole and the partial for the final. The Corinthians are childish, in my words, because they have made the temporal important and the eternal unimportant. They have said, look, it's, for me, it's all about the gift of tongues, and it's all about the gift of prophecy, and it's all about the gift of knowledge, it's all about looking good when I come to church. But I was like, those things, those things will go away. Act like adults. Be focused on what will last. Be focused on love. And here's the thing. This is what we know. This is true. Just if you've been around kids, you know that kids, 
kids, children, physically, not in a spiritual sense, just children in general, they are the ones who generally make the temporal, the short term, what is now important, and the eternal or the future unimportant. Think about Christmas. I just, just think about Christmas and think about what used to be important to you when, when you would come to Christmas morning. We celebrated on Christmas Eve and I celebrated again on Christmas. And I just, I woke up on Christmas Eve and the one thing I thought about was, say it louder, presents. That's the one thing that I thought about on Sunday, on Christmas morning was the presents, the stuff that I was going to get. And at some point in life, I have come to the realization, this Christmas I knew this, and, and you probably know it too if you're an adult, that what makes Christmas so awesome and spo- so special and the really valuable thing about Christmas is really the love. Jesus, yes, but I just, I don't mean in a spiritual sense. I just mean in kind of like what you think about and what you, you feel. It's really the relationships that you have. Your relationship with God, and your relationship with your family that you get to spend time with and hang out with. One of the greatest presents I ever got was a G.I. Joe space station. Can you see that? There it is. I used to have this. This isn't it. I don't have it anymore. G.I. Joe space station. It all opened up. You could fly the spaceship off. You could put your little guys right in here. And it was amazing. It took way too long to set up. And that kind of ruined Christmas. But I think my dad's still mad about how long it took to, to put it together. But... This was like one of the greatest Christmas presents that I ever received. And do you know where it is now? No, and neither do I. I have no idea when we got rid of it. I have no idea what happened to it. But you know what I really value? I really value the people who gave me that present. I really value the people that I spend time with on Christmas. You know what I really miss on Christmas? the people who are no longer around to celebrate Christmas with me, the people that I love and that loved me back. I I don't miss that. Forgot about that until I was preparing this sermon, to be honest with you. But I miss the people that I love. It is only children who think about the temporal things, the toys and the stuff that they like. It is only children who do that. But the sad, the sad reality is That when it comes to the spiritual, when it comes to the things that we think about, when we think about kind of the spiritual stuff in our lives, too oftentimes we're focused on the temporal, not the the future, not the eternal. This has huge implications for us. Man, I just, if you're not a Christian, if you're a person who, who has never given your life to Jesus, and you're just a person who's like, you know, I'll get around to it or someday I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll live for him. And, and I'm not talking like you just, I'm not even talking about what you kind of think you believe. I'm talking about like really giving your life to Jesus. You just never said like, Jesus, my life is yours. I'll do what you want. I'll, I'll be who you want me to be. I'll strive to live for you. I'm talking about that. If you've never done that, then there's only a couple reasons that you've never done that. You could be like some scientific atheist person and 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 i have no explanation for you this morning to help you out i'm sorry but but the majority of people are not that way at all they kind of have a belief in god and in our country they kind of think that jesus was real and he probably died on a cross and the bible is kind of true at least and so you probably aren't rejecting because of some belief you're probably rejecting because of the stuff that is temporal 
And you're rejecting because you want what is easy and good now and what makes life fun now. And you don't want to have to change your life. You don't want to have to do something different. You don't want to have to give up friends. You don't want to have to change the way that you do things, the fun that you're having. Man, what, what I want you to know is that it's just like a child on Christmas. And today might be the day when you need to stop acting like a child. And the truth is, even if you're that person who in spiritual things, you're like, man, I'm just focused on now. You probably, I'm just gonna guess, if you were hanging out with a kid and they were just, ta- just looking at their toys and they were just hanging out and not even talking to anybody in the family, you'd be like, hey, hey, you need to go hang out with your grandma. She doesn't have too many years left with us and you need to go spend time with her on Christmas. You would never encourage a child to put the toys above the person who gave the toys. And right now what you are doing in your life is you are choosing to put the toys, the stuff of this life above the one who gave you the stuff of this life, the God of heaven. And I'm telling you, it is time to stop acting like a child. I mean, you just look like a child. I'm sure God's looking down, he's like, man, if you would just, if you just would grow up, I want, I want you to focus on me. I gave you that stuff. I provided that for you. I gave you your life. Turn your attention away from the stuff and turn it to me. I gave it to you. Everybody else that's here that's a, a Christian, you need to make love the priority of your life. You need to make love like the driving force behind everything that you do. Here's the reality. Here's the reality, whether you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time or whether you're a Christian. This is, this is the truth of it right here. here. Gifts go, but love lasts. The gifts, whatever you think the gifts are, if, if you're like a Christian, you think, well, that's spiritual gifts. You're like a, just, just a person who's focused on stuff. And you're like, my car is the gift or my house is the gift or whatever it might be to you that you're like, this is a gift that I have. This is something I value and it's important. I'm telling you this, and this is what Paul is telling you, and this is what God is telling you. The gifts go, but the love lasts. And if you're a Christian, You just need to look at your life and say, man, am I living for the gifts that God has given me, either spiritual or physical, or am I loving? You you just, I mean, for me, I just, usually this is at the point in my sermon where I'm like, look, you, and I try to kind of connect with culture and just make a demographic assumption about, about who sits in our church every week, but let me just, me. Like, I choose to spend my money on technology when I know that there are people in need. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I need this, but really people need food and I don't care about them. And I'm telling, I know this, this is not like just even a spiritual thing. I know that the gifts, whatever I buy with that money will absolutely go, but the love that I show those people will last. I choose to spend time watching movies when I know there are people who need encouragement. Like, oh yeah, so, this is horrible to admit as a pastor, but whatever, I, I I know that so-and-so had a really bad week and I should probably call them right now, but man, I want to watch this movie. It just, it's so much easier to me. And I'll, the movie lasts like, what, an hour and a half? And so that gift is gone, but the love lasts. And I choose not to have conversations or invest in people's lives because 
I don't want to hurt their feelings and I don't want them to be mad at me. Like I, and I guess the gift in that situation is like their feelings and my feelings. So I just avoid way too many conversations because, because I want to keep the gift that is my feeling, my honor, my respect, whatever it might be. And, and I mean, all of that, I mean, someday that's going to be replaced by an eternity in heaven and that, even that gift in the earthly sense will go, but the love will last. I just, I just think that our perspective is all messed up in our country. And, and it's messed up, and even in the church, because we make it really all about the things that will go away someday. I mean, if you're not a Christian, and you're just making life about all these things that just you won't have when you die, I promise you. You will not have them when you die. And you need to make a decision to say, look, I'm gonna love God. I'm gonna see his value and lower myself for his good as I accept the gift of salvation that comes through believing that Jesus died on the cross. And just this morning, you need to say, look, I understand that the gifts go, but if I love God, it will last. I can love God for eternity and I can be loved by God for eternity and I can spend eternity in his presence where I will feel the most love that I've ever felt, more love than I could possibly feel on this earth. And you just need to make a decision to say, I'm gonna love God. Because, because you know, you already know you're not an idiot. Gifts go, but love lasts. You know that when you die, you're not taking it, right? I mean, that makes sense to you. You know that even the stuff that you have right now will not matter in like 30 years. Hopefully you're mature enough, you're not child, too childlike to understand that, right? The gifts will go, but the love will last. And then if you're a Christian, I just, I just one more time, just... Make it the priority. Why make everything else the priority? I just want you to just think about this with me. Just our church today. I mean, a lot of times I talk about the world and, and about what the world could look like. But I just let's just say that we made church about the love first and everything else second. We made it about about the technology uh, and what it can do for us second, and we made it about the love first. We made it about the, the ministries that someday we want to do second, but about the love first. And we just, we just became a church that was like, man, above all, above all, I'm just going to love God. I'm going to love these people who are part of my church. I mean, it would be incredible. But we would have like the best church ever. And I really like our church right now, but best church ever, I would get a t-shirt. Like it would be super cool. And, and just think about like the amount of unity and connection like my dad talked about when he said hello this morning to you. I mean, that would just like infinitely grow. If we were like, I'm not gonna make it about the gifts, the stuff in my life, but I'm gonna make it about love. And I will call the person and give them encouragement instead of watching this movie. And I'll go help them instead of taking time for myself. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna provide for people instead of needing more technology or whatever it might be for you. And just think about like how much connection and unity would be in our church. If you were just like, man, these gifts, like the stuff in my life, it will go. But in this church, I'm going to make it about the love because that will last. And I'm going to love these people when we're hanging out in heaven someday. Or think about this, like you would see a major difference in us, I think. If people like all of your neighbors just knew that you weren't so focused on the gifts, but you were focused on love because it lasts. Like think about like the conversations you had at work and with your neighbors and with the people that you know through your kids and all, of the, all the relationships that you have in this community. People would look at you and be like, wow, 
there is something different about them and I want to know what it is. And you could start to have real conversations with people about Jesus. And we get to see people start to come to Jesus and know him as their savior and love him instead of being childlike. And then we could love them in eternity in heaven and it would be awesome. We'd be baptizing. It is my goal at this church to baptize people every single week. I just want to. I just want to have that be a part of what we do in our services, just like music and preaching and prayer is. I just want to have baptisms, and that can happen if we just start to love above the gifts. I think that there would literally be less hungry people and less lonely people and less unsaved non-believers in the cities in which we live. And we just made it all about love. I just really think that there would be less hunger. Even our church, which is a small church, I think we would just start to, to take away the hunger and the loneliness that exists in our society. And people would start to give their lives to Jesus because they'd be like, wow, I don't have a clue why you fed me. I didn't even know you. I wasn't even that nice to you. But now here you are helping me out. I think that if we just made love the priority, then it would change our cities. And so what I want from you today is just I want you to make a decision. I want you to make a decision to make love the priority. For some of you, that means today that you just need, you just need to make love of God the priority of your life because maybe for the first time you've thought about how you're living for the gifts and, and now you, you go, wow, that's not gonna last. That's stupid. It's all gonna end. And, and you just need to make loving God your priority because that will last you into eternity and you'll spend eternity with him. And for others of us, those of us who are Christians, who do love God, who are trying to live for God, you just need to make a decision this morning. Say, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make it less about the gifts. I'm gonna make it more about the love. And here's, this is just, this is your homework. This is what I, I really hope for you. I hope that you this week well, just one time, all I'm asking is one time, how hard can that possibly be? If you're a Christian, just one time, I want you to decide to turn your back on the gifts, whatever it might be. I don't know if, it, if it's like watching a movie, if it's hanging out with a girlfriend, if it's hanging out with, uh, with your buddies just because that's more fun, if it's going to the gym, just something that's fun and you really like doing or something that you have and you're spending money on. Just give up one thing this week that, that you would consider kind of a, a gift in this life and instead replace it with love. Now, I don't know what that will look like for each of you, I mean, maybe that's like not going to Mexican food once and giving that money to somebody else that has never eaten out and can't ever afford to eat out. And they're like, you, you, just, you just take them a, a 20 bucks and say, I, I just want you to have this. I mean, I don't know what it looks like for you, but this week, one time, if you can just do one, I think you'll catch it. And you'll just get excited about saying, I'm gonna choose love over gifts. But just one time, one time, say, I'm gonna just put down the gift, put aside the gift, put away the gift, not buy the gift, and I'm gonna replace it with love because we know that the gifts go, but the love will last. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your love, God. And, and you've, you've gifted us in so many ways. I mean, you've given us so many things, God. And here in America, Lord, we see how we, we make those gifts the idol. We make them the thing that we love instead of loving you back, God. And, and I'm sorry for that. And Lord, we thank you that, that you didn't just gift us. You didn't just provide for us. You didn't just give us stuff, Lord, but you actually love us. And that, that, makes, that makes everything different, God, for us who have accepted that love and who have loved you 
back, Lord. And, and so I thank you for that first. And second of all, Lord, I want to pray for anybody that's here, anybody who will listen online, Lord, that you would just take them if they don't love you and they haven't chosen to love you and they haven't chosen to lower themselves for your good because they want to honor you. I just would pray that right now in this moment, God, you would change their hearts and they would see the the fruitility of, of the decisions they're making and they would see just how short term of a perspective they've had and they would just decide, Lord, to give themselves wholly to a loving relationship with you, the one who has given the gifts. Man, Lord, we wanna, we wanna see people come into a relationship with you and, and we know that that won't happen unless your Holy Spirit moves in them. And I can, I can talk about how the gifts will go away but the love will last, but it's your Spirit, God, who will convince them that it is worth giving up those temporal things for, for loving you. And I pray you do that now, Lord. And for those of us who are Christians, God, I just want to, I'll confess first, God, in my personal life, in my church life, I too often make it about the stuff, the gifts, the feelings. I too often make it about what goes wrong and what goes right. And I don't oftentimes make it about the love of you and the love of others. And Lord, I'm sure that in, in our hearts, the people who sit in front of me, they can confess something similar, Lord. And I just pray that you would start to change that. And I pray that this week, at least once, God, at least once, the people who sit before me that love you, have given their lives to you, they would decide to not, not live for the gifts, but to love others. Do something loving because loving is as loving does, Lord. And God, I, we'll forget when we leave here. We'll just forget, Lord. And we'll just walk out of here and we'll go about our business and live for the gifts unless you do something in us right now. You cause us to make a decision, Lord. And so draw us to that place where we just, we put down the gifts for the love of you, for the love of others. Lord, we love you. We do love you. Just help us to be loving towards you, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.